In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 336th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode a look back at the Falcons' tumultuous offseason. And you're in for a treat today. We have as our special guest, AJC columnist Mark Bradley. Hey, Mark, can you wrap up the season for the fans and what are some of your thoughts? And thank you for coming by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast for your first debut visit. Yes. Well, I'm honored, actually. Um, thank you for having me. I, th- I think the, the season, they weren't as good as their record, 7-10. and 10, And now they're, now they're without their quarterback from last season, so... I think the record won't be as good either this time. I, I, I think that in one way, it, it's, I think we're going to see some slippage this year. But I also think that this is, this is probably a year you have to get through to get to the better stuff in the future where, you know, you have to find quarterback. And that, you know, it's, it's very tough to, like, audition quarterbacks if you're trying to make the playoffs or uh, get a bye in the first round. And I, I don't think that's going to be the case with the Falcons. I think they're going to be they're going to be uh, positioning themselves for a top 10 draft choice again. Well, thank you, Mark, for that observation. Uh, look format this week uh, with us looking back. It made sense to me to do it chronologically in reverse order, going all the way back to January. You know, the NFL has done a great job of making this an all-year-round thing. Uh, I used to remember, um, you know, after the mini camps, you know, that's all you had was a mini camp and maybe the combine. But you know, hey, no, no walk down memory lane. Let's just go ahead and get to the business at hand today. Uh, so going back to January, they end the season seven and ten. Uh, you know, I wanted to know right then and there, hey, what was the plan to fix the offensive line? And you know, they didn't. They were last in the league in uh, uh, sacks. You know, so I mean, really, offensive and defensive line. You're a donut team. You had a quarterback. You had some weapons. Um, you have a cornerback on the defensive side. You had a tackle. You know, there's a lot of holes to fill for this team. Uh, and so that was very evident after last season because, yeah, um, you know, they were 7-2 and two in, in one-score games, but they got outscored by 106, 146 points. So, you know, they did – they overachieved in Arthur Smith's first year record-wise. And um, now, as uh, Mark forecasted, it appears to be headed for some hard times uh, moving forward. So with that, let's hear what Coach Smith had to say back in January discussing how to fix both lines at the end of the season press conference. Like the whole team, we got to improve 
I think that's, again, statistics, however you want to manipulate them, those are easy. Those are the low-hanging fruit. Uh, it doesn't tell the story of the whole season. It doesn't tell the story, you know, I, you know, necessarily how you win games. Um, like I said before, you know, we went 7-2 and two in one-possession games. we got to close the gap in the other game. we got to continue to improve. And there's a lot of ways you can fix it. Obviously, down the end of the year, we need more shots on goal. I think when you get in the game and you don't have the ball very long, and a lot of it was self-inflicted, but when you average five yards a carry to make a grand indictment on the run game, I think that's a little bit at the, at the surface level there. Um, we need to be better all around. So there's multiple ways you can improve the fronts. we got to improve this whole team. So th- there it is, Coach uh, Smith. Just a couple things. You know, close the gap. It wasn't a gap. It was a mountain range. Um, 146 <laughs> points was the, um, you know, second lowest or second highest differential in the league uh, next to Detroit. Uh, he averaged five yards a game in three games is what he's talking about. Now I know um, those were the Jacksonville, uh, Carolina, and Tampa Bay games. So he's hanging his hat on the fact they was able to run the ball in three games. And uh, when he talks about shots on goal, he's talking about uh, later in the season, they were playing, um, you know, running out the clock, trying to, you know, working the ball, working the clock down. So there weren't as many opportunities to, to build the stats up. So, I mean, you know, when you're not – when you can't match people man-to-man, that's what you do. So, basically, they got to get better, and, and he knows that. He knows that moving forward. So, let's move on to February. We were at the Senior Bowl in February. Uh, Terry Fontenot was down there looking for players with championship medal. Uh, we caught up with Arthur Blake at the Super Bowl, and uh, he said the fans – um, had a right to a succession plan. Now, that was uh, a, a deviation from uh, Arthur Smith at the end of the conference, at the end of the season, and uh, at the, uh, um, you know, when there was another report that came out, hey, he wanted Matt Ryan here. Um, and, and the uh, owner said, no, no, the fans deserve a succession plan. That didn't make we didn't we didn't add it all together at that time in February, but it was a lot more to come uh, coming up in the next month about this succession plan that Arthur Banks said the fans were entitled to, and then we moved on to the combine where Terry Fontenot you know made a big point of them having four big contracts and that wasn't a fault of the players, but you know they were hamstrung by those contracts and they were going to wiggle. Uh, figure out how to move forward uh, with those four contracts. And uh, one of them was Matt Ryans, of course, then Grady Jarrett, Jake Matthews, and Deion Jones. So they made moves on three of those four, and one is left dangling here in the offseason. Mark, what are your thoughts on, you know, uh, the Senior Bowl, the uh, blank at the Super Bowl, and the Combine during, the, during this part of the uh, offseason? Well, I, I think Arthur Blank was was right in the sense that I think that's the 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 issue that the fans realized they were going to have to confront, uh, and now they've confronted it. I don't know that they meant to confront it in the way that they did, but I I think that you know this is one of those things that no matter how it happened, this this actually puts them in the place they needed to be. Uh, the and we're, we're We'll get to the Deshaun Watson flirtation uh, with the Falcons here in a minute, but I'm sure. But you know, they didn't. Long story short, they didn't end up with Deshaun Watson, and then they did end up trading Matt Ryan, and now they've got to go find a quarterback. 
Yeah, no question about it. Those were uh, some definitely um, some precursors to what was to come. And, uh, you know, here's what Arthur Blank had to say uh, from the Super Bowl as he was preparing for life after Matt Ryan. I'd say our fans, I mean, should look for a succession plan. And I think that's, you know, that's not, you know, that's not improper. It doesn't show a lack of confidence in Matt. But, you know, I mean, father time will get to all of us. It's just the way it works. Father time will get to all of us. That's just the way it works. Uh, that would come back later to be very important that uh, the fans were entitled to a succession plan. So um, we, March was a big month. Everything happened here. Calvin really gets suspended. Uh, they go after Deshaun Watson. Uh, Matt Ryan gets traded. Uh, March was uh, was a lot of work. So, Mark, I'm just going to come to you and I'll let you, um, you know, do uh, Ridley. And, uh, you know, surprised by that. And then um, uh, Watson, the whole Watson-Ryan flirtation. How'd that look from your from your perch? Well, the the Ridley thing was was shocking because obviously we hadn't heard that there was anything going on uh, as far as him betting on football games. Um, but you know, when it happened, it, it, it obviously it took away one of the chief weapons that Matt Ryan was going to have as a quarterback uh, next year. At, assuming he stayed and and I think that I think it put the Falcons even deeper into the hole that they knew they were going to have to get into before they can dig out of it and and I, I think in that regard it you know it, it I, 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 you hate to say it lessens the stakes for him because every year and every game is important but I, I think what it did is is it made it even less likely that they were going to contend for anything in 2022. And that way, if you're going to change quarterbacks or, or begin the succession plan, this would this was the year to do it. Yeah, and then the Deshaun Watson flirtation, how'd that, uh, how'd that sit with you? Well, it, it, it was, you know, it, it, it just happened so fast. And I, I don't think anybody was really prepared for it. Uh, now maybe they were. Maybe maybe every every team in the NFL was had had already looked at Deshaun Watson and decided whether or not they wanted to go after him uh, because it was it's pretty clear he doesn't want to go back to Houston. But it, it it just seemed like that all happened so fast. And and of the four teams that supposedly made bids on Watson, uh, three of them were from the NFC South, which made it even even more complicated. And I, I think at one point, New Orleans was considered the favorite. And then I think the Falcons were considered the favorite. And then he ends up signing with Houston, which supposedly was out of it. Uh, and and uh, not Houston, I'm sorry, uh, with uh, uh, Cleveland. And uh, and supposedly the Browns were, were the first team eliminated from his uh, group of four. But... Uh, uh, you know, so now, now you've got, you've basically told the world we're lo- we're looking for a better quarterback than Matt Ryan at age thirty something, and uh, um, as Blank said, Father Time gets to everyone. Make as much of that of that statement at the time as as we can do in hindsight. But you know, I I think it's pretty clear that the Falcons this was on the Falcons' mind, and then the Deshaun Watson thing made it. I mean, it threw it out in the open because um, 
everybody knew that the only way they could afford Deshaun Watson is if they had Matt Ryan's contract off the books. And uh, they ended up not getting Deshaun Watson, and they ended up getting Matt Ryan off the books for, you know, beyond this year. And and I, that's the place they needed to be going forward, but it, it just was a... You know, sometimes you, sometimes you get lucky. Maybe that maybe they got lucky here, and maybe, you know, if if they hadn't, if they'd still had Matt Ryan, maybe they wouldn't have uh, taken Desmond Ritter uh, in the third round, and maybe Desmond Ritter really will be their quarterback uh, for the next several years. And so, Mark, with him, uh, you know, how it all played out with um, you know the Deshaun Watson pursuit and uh, Matt Ryan getting traded, and just you know, real quickly. Uh, really happened on March the 7th, free agency. Uh, Casey Hayward comes on the 17th. The 18th, um, Mark uh, Watson stiff arms the Falcons and goes to Browns. Then on the 21st, you know, that Monday, Matt Ryan era ends abruptly. Franchise QB traded to the Colts for only a third-round pick. So, but Mark, some of the uh, uh, listeners here and uh, Falcon fans were like, hey, they should have did this last year when they first got here. They should have they should have um, traded Ryan and got Justin Fields. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that line of retrospect thinking? Well, I think I don't know that this happened, but my 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 guess has always been that um, Arthur Smith got here and as a new coach, and he. He took a look at Matt Ryan and he said, you know, I, I'd like to at least have a chance with Matt Ryan rather than have to find a new quarterback in year one. Uh, and I, I think that that's, that's what ended up happening. They ended up going with Matt Ryan and they went 7-10. and 10. And, you know, if, they, if you had put just, a, I think, a, a replacement-level quarterback on that team, they probably would have gone about 4-13. Uh, and 13. But... So anyway, I, I think they uh, they wanted to see where they would be with Matt Ryan uh, teaming with Arthur Smith, and I think they saw it and they thought, well, we we did okay, but you know, I, I again, I don't know that that they would have traded him if it if the Justin Fields, I'm sorry, not the Justin Fields, the the Deshaun Watson situation hadn't happened the way it did. Of course, by then, you know, Deshaun or Fields has been a has been a Chicago Bear for a year. Mac Jones has been with uh, the uh, the Patriots for a year. So, um, I, I I think the the thing that that's also important to remember is that the quarterbacks that they had available in the the this year's draft probably weren't as good as the ones they had in the year before. So. You know, maybe maybe Ritter's the guy, but um, I'm you know again, if they had done this a year ago, uh, they 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 certainly would have had access to higher ranked quarterbacks than they did in in 2022. No doubt about it, Mark. Let's go to um you know Terry Fontenot, who during the combine made it clear the type of players the Falcons want to build this team around. Yeah, well, the most important thing is the makeup. We're, we're here working to build a championship roster one player at a time. And to build a championship roster, you have to have championship makeup and you have to have the right kind of culture. The right kind of culture. He talks a lot about ethos and, you know, culture and uh, championship makeup. 
and so, you know, over time we'll see, you know, if they've been taking players that fit um, fit those adjectives for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, uh, up in Indianapolis, they were pretty excited to get Matt Ryan. Uh, we talked to Coach Wright down at the owners' meeting, but here's what uh, Matt, uh, Matt Ryan's new coach, Frank Reich, had to say after their first minicamp together in Indianapolis. Matt was unbelievable, did a great job, um, you know, great command, really, a, you know, A to Z. I mean, he did everything right. Um, just great leadership, great play. I mean, just the whole way he took command, you know, great uh, collaborating as an offensive staff with him to kind of work in and nuance some of the things that we do um, to kind of suit him and his style and kind of get to learn a few things about him and pick his brain about things he did and what, what are the favorite things you did in Atlanta. Let's see if we can incorporate a few of those things that kind of fit with us. So we got a lot of that done over, over the last number of weeks. All right. They're excited to have Matt Ryan. I also talked to owner Jim Ursay here in Atlanta for the, uh, when the owners meeting, the second one was here uh, just a couple weeks ago. And he was, he was, his security guard was trying to shoot me away and I just huh. mentioned Matt Ryan, and he saw my bag, and I was from Atlanta, and he just started talking. So I had to record a rolling, and so I got a quick note um, from the owner who was real excited to have Matt Ryan. Um, I mean, they got a running back, Jonathan Taylor, the deep. They almost went to the playoffs last year. Uh, they got issue with Darius Leonard's injury. Got to get him some receivers, but his play action passing off for Taylor I was going to automatically, I think, put the Colts in the playoffs next year. Uh, so they're real excited up in Indy, and uh, I think most of the fans in Atlanta wish uh, Matt Ryan the best of luck in the uh, back part of his career. So right now we're going to toss to the break. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. All right, before we wrap up here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, we want to direct you to our new newsletter, Bradley's Buzz. We have Mark Bradley joining us here today on the podcast. And uh, Mark, tell the folks about the uh, Bradley's Buzz. Well, it's available. Uh, this is one of those things that to get the whole version of it, there, there are two versions of it. One of them is online text, but another one you get and it's a little bit longer and has some more stuff in it uh, is is you can sign up for it via email or uh, if you're a subscriber to the AJC. This is uh, this is one of the things that is available to you. And I, the, the newsletter is in, I think it's fourth week, and it, it comes out every Monday and Friday. And it usually shows up around 1.30 uh, in your inbox. And 
you know, I'm kind of having fun doing it, and I hope people will have fun or something if they read it. But anyway, it is uh, it is a new adventure, and uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of learning on the go here. Well, all right, you all know where to go to get your Bradley's Buzz, so do what you have to do there. April was a free agency wrap. You know, April's, uh, we got free agency wrapping up at the end of the month. You know, you kind of got a clear picture by the time April gets around. Then you know where they're going in the draft, which ends um, in the, at the bottom of, of the month of April. Uh, so free agency, we knew they didn't have any money. They had oh. to do things with the four contracts. Um, they traded Matt Ryan. Jake Matthews got an extension. Uh, Grady Jarrett got an extension. Um, uh, Matthews was uh, three years, $55.5 million. Grady Jarrett was uh, three, worth up to 67 with $34.5 million guaranteed. And they felt these guys were playing up to those big money deals and that they were leaders. Okay, now I don't know if that was an indictment of Deion Jones. He's the fourth one who has a big contract number. He uh, had off-season surgery, and, um, you know, he um, expect he's expected for training camp. So nothing was done with his deal. I don't know, um, you know, there was speculation about a June 1, post-June 1, but I, it was, you know, until we see what happens. Uh, Arthur Smith told the AJC that he expects him at training camp at the end of July. So in, in free agency – um, and I want to bore Mark with this because some are minutiae that we have to deal with. But, you know, they kept Young Wei Koo, um, Alameda Zacchaeus, uh, the big ones. I'm not going to hit every little bitty free agency signing. But uh, the big ones was keeping Koo and Corderell Patterson. Uh, Isaiah Oliver returning was big, too. So, um, you know, Eric Harris was kind of surprised. I thought I would have kept Deron Harmon. Uh, but he immediately was signed by the Raiders. But um, uh, Eric Harris was a one-year, $1.2 million, but 1047 of it was guaranteed. So, you know, you got an insurance at safety in case Jalen Hawkins or Richie Grant don't come through for you back there. So the losses were Fourier Ulicon, uh Russell Gage to um, the Bucks, uh, Fourier to the Jags, Josh you know, it's bad at free agency when you lose the long snapper. And they lost the long snapper to the Chargers. Uh, but good for Josh Harris, West Carrollton's own, Auburn's own. Four years, $5.6 million. That's good money for the long snapper. So congratulations to Josh. And then uh, Jay, hey, um, Hayden Hurst got a one-year deal with the Bengals. He got $2 million guaranteed. So, you know, you know, he didn't get his fifth-year option renewed, and they're hyping him up in Cincinnati, too. They think he they think he can uh, do do a little bit more than what he did here for two years. Uh, but um, I'm like, he's on his third team. He would have saw it by now. But um, the Bengals are all excited about him. So maybe Joe Burrow's got another target there. You know, if they're all swarming the chase, maybe Hayden Hurst is going to get some balls. Uh New players, Marcus Mariota. Coach, they let Matt Ryan, you know, after the Matt Ryan trade, you know, Marcus Mariota was a big signing. Uh, Casey Hayward, we mentioned him. Lorenzo Carter, uh, you know, from former UGA, Norcross High. And, um, you know, those were key signings. Then a couple key other key pickups in free agency were Rashawn Evans, the linebacker, and uh, German Effetti. 
he'll compete with uh, uh, Caleb McGarry at the right guard, right tackle spot. Rashawn Evans with Dion out was leading the drills uh, at minicamp. So that was, you know, he was with he was with Dean Pease in Tennessee. And Dean Pease is like, I don't know where they let him go, but we're certainly happy that they did. So uh, my folks said he was missing holes and missing the uh, – Missing his uh, uh, tackling assignments and so forth. So they had better players there, and they went with him. But him and Dean Pease got along well, and he's uh, going to be in the mix at linebacker here for the Falcons. Uh, that was another big one. German Effetti, he's former first-round pick, Texas A&M, played with Jake down there, and uh, he's going to get a shot to win that guard, uh, excuse me, that right tackle spot. Now, another one was Elijah Wilkinson, uh, one year, 1.03. He was backing up Jalen Mayfield, um, but they want Mayfield to play. They, they um, you know, the numbers were horrible last year, but it, they thought he was a gamer and went out there and did the best he could. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we'll see how, see how that goes. But so those were the big free agent signings for the Falcons this offseason. And then we'll get to the draft. But right now, let's hear um, from Marcus Mariota and how he's trying to build chemistry with his new team. Yeah, I think it's a it's a daily process. Um, but I feel like as a group, we've all connected well. Um, but that's what this offseason part of it is for. You're going to take some time off. But I think when we get back together, we'll continue to work on those things. And once we get to camp, I think we'll be rolling. Yeah, no question about it. I think he's going to be the starter. I, I know the folks out there want Ritter to start, but um, he's just learning how to call plays. I don't think he, you know, he's not going to see the defenses uh, right away. Uh, you know, like they said, they're basically playing for a top 10 pick. History suggests that Ritter's going to have to play. And, of course, we covered the one thing that we thought was very important that uh, in the mini camps, they're not going to bring in a fourth quarterback. Coach Arthur Smith said that, um, you know, that gives them more reps for Marcus and Mariota and Desmond Ritter. And just to review, you know, at the end of April, you got the draft. Uh, we only got a couple items left here. Uh, Drake London, first-round pick. Uh, Arnold Igibite, uh pass rusher, second-round pick. Troy Anderson. Now, these are, you know, the red light, you know, We've covered these, you know, the, the red button items for the draft. Drake London picked over um, the Ohio State receiver and Alabama receiver. So people had him rated third, so we'll see. But he's the bigger one. Troy Anderson, linebacker out of Montana State, over N'Kobe Dean. Uh, Desmond Ritter, quarterback, third-round pick over Malik Willis with Tennessee. You know, so they always say you can't evaluate the draft right away. You got to. Uh, look at it three years down the road. So three years down the road, them the questions we'll come back and look at. Uh, D'Angelo Malone, Western Kentucky linebacker in the third, fifth round. Running back Tyler Algier, uh, sixth round. Justin Schaefer out of University of Georgia. And uh, sixth round, John Fitzpatrick, a good-looking blocking tight end out of University of Georgia also. So they kept the Georgia had a, I forget the number, but the record number of picks drafted. And so the Falcons took a couple of them late. So we couldn't continue the narrative of, hey, they don't like players from Georgia. They won a national championship. So, so Mark, what did you think of their draft? 
Um, I liked their draft. I thought they did well with it. That uh, I think getting uh, London in the first round makes a lot more sense when they, when you look up and they get the next night they get uh, Drake London, or I'm sorry, not Drake London. They get Desmond Ritter, and I, you know, I, I, I think I, I've, I've really not had any complaints about. Uh, uh, what the the Falcons have done draft wise under uh, in the two years under uh, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, I, I thought they've done okay. Uh, you know, I, I I think the tight end from Florida is going to be great, and I think that uh, um, I, I I really I think you know w- without Ridley, obviously you're going to need a a number one receiver, and at some point you're going to need a number one quarterback, and I. You know, I, I would have been very disappointed if they had come out of this draft with without a quarterback in the, in on the first couple of days, and um, because you know clearly that's that's the biggest position in the NFL. You're never going to be where you want to be until you got a quarterback. So they it, it's time to start without Matt Ryan. You know they're in a position where they have to look, and and that's really where they need to be. They need to. They need to look at these guys, whether it's Mariota or uh, or Ritter. They they need to they need to know if those one of those can give them more than uh, a win or two here and there. They're they're going to have to know whether one they have to they have to start identifying who's going to be their uh, leader beyond twenty twenty two. Yes, no doubt about it. And I think they are underway with that. We're up to May, and um, you know, only big thing in May was the rookie mini camp. Uh, you know, the off-season program, and OTAs were all going at that time. But the takeaway from uh, the uh, minicamp was Desmond Ritter. You know, uh, he was taking charge out there. It was granted it was the rookies, but uh, he's a take-charge guy. He was already correcting people, moving people around and so forth. And we would come later on to find out that he's already got the playbook down. So, um, you know, that that's a good start. You know, once you know what you're doing, you can play faster. So, um, you know, Drake London looked great in the uh, 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 off-season program. But, you know, I, I don't get – I try not to get too excited about that because, I mean, they're pro athletes. They, they, they should look great in, um, short, in shorts and pat and helmets and so forth, and, and they did. So, um, if they didn't, that would be breaking news there. But, uh, so, you know, but the thing that caught me was how he took charge. Uh, in the uh, rookie minicamp. But uh, let's hear from Drake London and Desmond Ritter on where they are a few weeks before training camp. I think I'm learning a lot. And I think I can say that for the whole rookie class. So we're just learning a lot and, um, and, and excelling at what we're doing right now. Uh, I think we're doing pretty good and we're headed in the right direction, which is all that really matters, you know. Uh, physically, um, you know, I feel like I can always just keep getting into shape. Um, obviously, you know, this, this past six months have been, you know, training for the 40, training for kind of skill drills. Um, now it's about getting into football shape, so uh, I can still get into better shape. Um, you know, mentally, you know, I think I'm right where I need to be. Um, I can always continue to get better at that, though, um, and, and continue to be the best person, best teammate I can be. Yeah, no doubt. Ritter went 44-5 and five as the starting quarterback at Cincinnati. Uh, lasted to the third round because of accuracy issues. Now we'll see if... Uh, Arthur Smith can tailor things to his strengths and get him out on the field. We expect fully expect him to be out on the field at some point in 2022. Don't expect him to start it off, though. So uh, 
Lastly, we're in June, and, you know, hey, mini camp wrapped up last week, and one of the big items was, hey, Casey Hayward was in the building. Uh, our, our intern, former intern John Riker, had uh, went down to Perry and talked to people, you know, in Atlanta, and we had a big Sunday piece on Casey Hayward on how he, uh, you know, uh, covers his hometown of Perry, Georgia, and uh, is looking forward to returning home to play for the Atlanta Falcons and to help out the young secondary members. So with that, let's hear from Casey when he explains what his role is in Atlanta. Veteran, uh, you try to lead, especially in the classroom. I think that's why I can teach guys a, you know, a little bit more. You know, I see this and see that, you know, the alignment here and there. But uh, overall, you know, just be there just in case guys got questions and just show them how to practice as well. So, but these guys, you know, they're doing a great job. No doubt about it. Thank you, Casey Hayward and Mark Bradley. Before we get out of here, I wanna um, I'm gonna uh, you know, tell everybody what's up next for us over the next few weeks as we enter into the dead period. You, do you have any wrap up thoughts here about the Atlanta Falcons and where they stand? Uh, you know, and what's you know, they don't like to call it rebuilding, but you know, here at the Bowtie Chronicles, we call it rebuilding because that's what it is. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on where the Falcons are at? As you know, they had a pretty good run for, um, you know, 2007 through uh, 2021 with Matt Ryan as a quarterback. We saw a Super Bowl in there, a couple championship games, a, a number one seed getting upset by, by Aaron Rodgers and them on their way to Super Bowl. Any wrap-up thoughts on uh, the Falcons and how they're trying to pivot and uh, reestablish themselves as legitimate, uh, as a legitimate power in the NFC South and in the NFC. Um, I th- I've, I've been kind of impressed also with with just the new uh, the new management. I, I think that uh, I like uh, what I what I've seen and heard from uh, Fontenot and uh, and and kind of the same with Arthur Smith. Although you know he's he's. He's not going to be crazy about going seven and ten in his first season, but I, I think that that I think that he actually came out of that season looking pretty good uh, because you know again they got outscored by 146 points that could have been anything uh, and I, and I think the fact that you know that he bled out probably two or three more wins than they he should have uh, uh, speaks well for him um, and and I I think that. They've they've now they now know where they're going. Uh, you know they they may not use the word rebuild, but I mean it's it's pretty clear that that's what they're doing. And and I think that uh, you know I, I think that once you once you commit yourself to it, then then you know you can't turn back. You're not gonna you know there's no room for them to go out and sign uh, a bunch of big name free agents because they can't afford it. So this is. This is what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to exercise uh, all their player player development skills, and uh, they're going to have to draft well and and uh, sign the right kind of free agents. And they're going to have to uh, get from being Matt Ryan's team to being somebody else's team. Yeah, no question about it. Hey, Mark, thank you once again for coming by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Just want to give the fans um, and listeners a, a heads up. Uh, June the 29th on Wednesday, we normally drop. We're, go, we're, we're taking a break here. We're going to do a little pause for the calls. 
And uh, we'll be, uh, we're going to have a new episode for you on the 29th or July the 6th. We'll come back and we'll start getting ready for training camp on July the 13th with um, Coach Arthur Smith previewing the offense. And we'll come back on July the 20th with him helping us on the defense and special teams. And, um, you know, then on July the 27th, we'll be back live from training camp. Uh, you know, the Falcons report on 26. I thought the Rooks is coming in on the 19th. Need to get that confirmed. Uh, also, you know, make your plans. The story's up online on AJC.com. There are 13 open practices uh, for you all to attend. And that's a big number up from last year. I know I gave them some grief last year for just having the fewest open practices in the NFC South. Uh, you know, the Rams had like 20-something. The Falcons had a, a, a few. But 13 is, you know, in the middle. Uh, we'll 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 look around the league and see how they're doing. And then also for Falcon fans in New York or in the New York area, there'll be two open practices up there against the New York Football Jets. So in total, you got 15 open practices, and that's about what you should expect from your team uh, in the off season. You know, to get you know open uh, practices where the fans can come and observe and uh, see their team and. Uh, build a bond with them and so forth. So they're back up now, you know, post-pandemic, you know, that was uh, probably, um, you know, part of it too. But uh, you got 15 total open practices, 13 at home, two on the road for you. So with that, once again, we're going to thank columnist Mark Bradley for stopping by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We're going to tell you to take care and have a great rest of your week. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,